This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Back in Latin America, when we go to protest, everyone goes, especially when indigenous people go to protest with something that we call la yachta. And yachta means that you take everything. You take, you know, your llamas, your chickens. Because when you go outside and protest, you go until you go and get what you want. So you go and protest for days and days and days. So, you know, grandparents go, kids go, baby goes, mom, dad, everyone goes. Because you go over there to stay. G-A-L-D-E-M G-A-L-D-E-M This song is good. Welcome to a brand new season of Growing Up With Galdem. Inspired by our book, I Will Not Be Erased, our stories about growing up as people of colour. My name is Nyala Arboyne and I'm the life editor at Galdem. And I'm Natty Kasimvala, former editor and long-time contributor at Galdem. Galdem is an award-winning media company committed to sharing the perspectives of people of colour from marginalised genders. Each week, we invite a guest to respond to old diary entries, letters or text messages from their younger selves. The point is to nurture important discussions about growing up. You can find Growing Up With Galdem on Apple Podcasts, the Acast app, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Benito Chola Angela Camacho is an indigenous creative, bruja, and a community organizer for Wretched of the Earth, a grassroots collective of indigenous black and brown people demanding climate justice. She's a self-described ancestor in the making, whose work is rooted in the need to take back a sense of space moving away from colonialism. Angela collaborates with women and children in underrepresented areas of London to produce and deliver healing arts and craft workshops that are grounded in her indigenous culture and traditions, with the hopes of passing down knowledge to heal from colonialism and to reconnect with the past, to project onto the future and live a dignified present. Her work brings together communities, artists and activists to explore issues of sexism, environmentalism, multinational exploitation, housing and welfare for refugees and migrants. Trigger warning. This episode of Growing Up with Gaudem includes a mention of an abusive relationship and instances of violence. So if you don't feel comfortable listening to this episode, please feel free to skip this and listen to one of our other episodes. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. To Just to start with, I know that in your bio, it does describe you as Bonita Chola. And I guess I just wanted to ask if you could describe what it is to be a Bonita Chola for someone who doesn't know. Uh, okay, thank you so much for the invite. I'm honored. Uh, well, Bonita means pretty in Spanish. And Chola is the name that they give in the Indian zone of Latin America, where it's no, no, as Latin America, uh, to indigenous women. Back in the days, it was used as a insult, literally. And most of like this Eurocentric kind of beauty standard is like indigenous women, cholas, cannot be pretty. So that's why, you know, a friend of mine said to me, actually, why you don't put your Instagram, the bonita chola, you're so beautiful. And it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. That's super interesting. So kind of the Western standards of beauty were opposing to what it was seen to be indigenous features or... And kind of like reclaiming the word. Well, yeah, in a way it was, a, you know, a, a beautiful way just to play with the words, especially because in Latin America, indigenous woman or any woman that is racialized is not considered beautiful. Back in the days, you know, 43, I grew up that way thinking that I'm not pretty because I'm brown. Oh, I'm indigenous. Even now, like you hardly see people of color, black people, indigenous people, racialized people, Asian people on TV. Yeah. You always forget this is a global issue. Sometimes you're so like caught up in like what that looks like for me in the UK that you forget the same things happening to indigenous people in other parts of the world as well. So in some ways it's quite nice yeah. to know that we've got a, a collective understanding of beauty. Yeah, and it's a pattern, isn't mm. it? It happens in every single territory. Like, sadly, you know, beauty standards, they were built around Euro, you know, Eurocentric standards. And we have that legacy in every single territory. But I have to say, Latin America is very much in your face. They still do blackface on, you know, national channels. They still do, like, horrible parodies with indigenous people, like, dressing up as indigenous people, you know, like, very famous people on TV. Like, it's just horrible. It has no end. And when I went traveling around Central and South America, I was shocked everyone was like black and brown and indigenous, but on TV it was like a complete opposite. I was like, everyone looks like me. <laughs> I feel like we've been told a complete different like view of 
people from that side of the world. It's wild. It's just crazy. But again, it's the legacy as well of wellness, isn't it? Who has money, who has the privilege of like having this access of these spaces, you know, TV, newspapers, media, and normally it's the, the descendants of the colonizers. So, and it's yeah. been gatekeeping, you know, for like so many generations. Like, yes, there is as well, like, you know, we always say it's a white supremacy, like, you know, white people in the supremacy power, but we call it like mestizaje. So like the supremacy of mestizaje, but people that it's been, you know, like through the years, they're still white, but they've been born in Latin America. So they consider themselves mestizos. So interesting. Yeah, because if you go to a white Latino and you say, oh, yeah, you're white, they will get offended. They don't feel white, but they are white. It's just like you are white. It's like, no, I'm Latino. It's like, no, Latino is not a race. It's a cultural identity. We have to stop this. Oh, no, but where are you from? Like, well, I'm from here. I'm from Latin America. Like, you know, my legacy has been here for like hundreds of years. Who are you? <laughs> it's still very confusing for a lot of people. It's still, even for the Latin American community, it's confusing because all these concepts are like evolving and they are like changing and like we're having all this new vocabulary. Like before, you know, like maybe a couple of years ago, we didn't have the Latino or the Latins world concept. You know, it was more built, the identity was more built in nationalism. So like you would have been, oh yeah, I'm Brazilian, oh yeah, Equatorian. But you know, now with capitalism and social media, we all want to be part of the Latino gang. So like people are starting to use it more that concept, even though like in Latin America too. That is really interesting. I wanted to move on and talk a bit about your relationship with your son. You've talked a bit about being intentional about spending time with your son. And you also mentioned that he follows your page. But how old is he now? And what does centering your relationship with him mean to you? He's 16. I know he's a teenager now. <laughs> I love him to be not only because he's my child, but because there is, a, I don't know how to say this word in English, but él es mi compañero, camarada. Oh, like comrade. Comrade, yeah, he's my comrade. Yeah. And yeah. that for me is key. <laughs> he's been, you know, in the social movements, so he's like six years old. Like, he will go and join marches when he was undocumented. We were undocumented for a very long time. He knew that he was undocumented and you know what that means. So we'll go to marches and like he will be like there for any march until, you know, we'll just come back home. And he'll go, like, oh, yeah, yeah, mommy, I know what to do. If the police comes, I need to run some other way far away from you because if they catch us both, it's easy to get deported. So he will know we have all these kind of little tactics and he will know, but he knew as well that it was important. And for me, it was very important that we both go to these activities and to do this protest. He's doing amazing, he's doing well. He's coming back because he was away from the social movement. You know, when he was becoming a teenager, he rebelled. <laughs> but now he's coming back, he joined a strike in the school. His school went on a strike this week or last week too. And he said to me, mommy, you know what? I have the option. I can go or I can stay home. But I talked with my friends and we understood that, you know, my teachers, they like, they need to fight for the rights. So if we go, it's not good for them. But if we stay home, I do homework alone in the house. You know, that's very helpful for the teachers. 
And then there is a phrase that we say in Latin America, romper piquetes, like we don't break the strike. Yeah. yeah I, say, I say to him, oh like, God, we I don't do that. that in this house. We don't break the strike. He goes, oh, okay, then. He's like, okay, fine. So it's, it's very sweet. You know, he's kind of awakening back again to social and political yeah, narratives. It's, it's very beautiful to see. That's amazing. I admire the work you're doing there to raise a young, <laughs> a young political man. I was curious, actually, before I move on to my next question, like, was it ever hard, I guess, balancing between your experience of being undocumented as a parent and kind of wanting to keep your child safe, obviously having to enforce these certain rules, but also wanting to be out there and be active and live your life and stand by your beliefs too? It was scary, but I understood from the very beginning that that was the only way. And I understood as well that the presence of undocumented people in the front line is key. The presence of kids and children in the marches and protests and in the social movement is key as well. It's something that sometimes, you know, in UK, I experience that we lack. And back in Latin America, when we go to protest, everyone goes, especially when indigenous people go to protest with something that we call la yachta. And yachta means that you take everything. You take, you know, your llamas, your chickens, because when you go outside and protest, you go until you go and get what you want. So you go and protest for days and days and days. So, you know, grandparents go, kids go, baby goes, mom, dad, everyone goes. Because you go over there to stay. So in circles here, like in the social movement here, sometimes, you know, we lack that. Out of capacity as well, out of infrastructure as well. And because, you know, this is the belly of the beast. This city is designed to break us down. So for me, yeah, it was a beautiful experience. Like I always feel very protected. My camaradas and my friends and my family and my siblings, they knew. And, you know, we always have a backup plan if something happens. But luckily nothing ever happens, you know, just the random pushing police and like stuff like that. I think we need to adopt a lot more of your kind of protest culture. <laughs> we need that energy. <laughs> we do not riot in the streets anywhere near enough in this country. And that's honestly how our government is getting away with the things that it's getting away with today, to be honest. We also had a, an amazing quote from you that I really loved, which was that you said you carry your grandmother's hands in your hands and all of her teachings are still alive in you. And so I guess I wanted to ask a little bit more about the importance of ancestry in what you do and in your culture and how you try to honour your ancestors through your work today. It's something that I live daily. And sometimes when I'm lost in my path, I come back to that and affirms my work because my whole existence is my work. And the understanding of that my whole existence will extend to my child or whatever other child I'm going to mother is the continuation of that world, is the legacy of my ancestors. The same way that my grandma, which was a woman that cook every day I was in, and she was in the back patio every day. Like she wasn't an activist or so she didn't went to rallies and she never picked up a microphone to talk about, you know, how the constructor she is. Her existence was her legacy. Her daily resistance just to exist as indigenous woman that she was, was her legacy. And she passed that to me. Simple things, you know, how to chop certain herbs, how to cook certain things, 
they like two or three, maybe two. I'm being very positive when I say three. Two indigenous <laughs> dishes that I know how to cook. My broken quechua and aymara, because they didn't teach me quechua aymara, which is my indigenous tongue, because, you know, they have the idea of, like, mejorar la raza, like, you know, to teach me better, to teach me out of my indigenous, like, roots. So I know how to talk only Spanish and English. But I do remember, like, the bad words in quechua and aymara, like, hurry up, why are you so slow? Like, you're always late. <laughs> like, I remember things like calancha, it means naked because it was summer, so it was hot. So I will just walk naked around the garden, the patio, you know, like stuff like that. Sarayani, like, hurry up. Like, I always was late. I'm always late, always. So I remember these things. So that's my legacy. That's the remembrance, like, everyday work. And it helps me, and I think so that it helps the social movement a lot in what is called now Latin America, in the social movement, especially in the indigenous movement, they understand El entendimiento to understand that our ancestral work is key to our social movement is super important. It's super important because with that, we recognize that we've been doing this for 500 years and we're going to do it for another 500 years if necessary and even more. Like we will not get tired. And when I say that I can feel my grandma's hands in my hands, it's because I imagine that she feels the same, that she feels that she can feel her grandma's hands in her hands and the same way I do and the same way my child will do or whatever other child I'm going to mother uh, will do. Even what you mentioned about, you know, the ways in which we're having to be a generation that reintroduces and re-preserves the culture of some of our ancestors because... For a while there, it was like in order to succeed in the world that people told us we had to succeed in, actually, they were kind of pressuring us to erase some of those cultures. And so, like you say, with your indigenous tongue, like you're trying to hold on to those parts of that culture as well, because, you know, like with beauty and like with all of these other standards, we've been told that that wasn't the good one. We need to go this way. We need to move towards certain types of other rules and, and standards, which is so annoying. <laughs> It is very annoying, but it is key as well to understand that, you know, with that mentality of erasing our legacy, of erasing our ancestry and centering, you know, with beauty, European beauty standards, you know, those are tools for us to serve capitalism and to serve, you know, coloniality and to serve imperialism. So like, you know, we've been attacked and we push from every single corner, like, so the recognizing that in these patterns is just super important. It made me think about what you were saying about your grandma and how it's, you know, resistance and just survival is a form of resistance. And like, I think about all the people that just had to survive for us to be here today. And that's like a really beautiful gift and way to think about your ancestors, I guess. And in your own words, you said your an ancestor in the making, what are you doing now that the ancestor version of you would be proud of? One of the things that they sound very banal, and maybe they are, it, it is, but I clearly remember the pictures of my grandma and she's always sad. She hardly smiles in their pictures. And the only two or three pictures that she has with her regalia, they're not good quality pictures. And she was very, very poor. And her regalia is, a very humble regalia. So one of the things that I've been doing through the years is that I try to take pictures 
with my regalia in a very abundant and beautiful and colorful like and wholesome way like never before. So, you know, in two or three generations, my great great grandchildren, they will see it and they will see that beauty, that legacy that they come from. So that's one of the silly things that I do and I'm very intentional about it. Another thing as well is just to talk to my son about things that we live, you know, in Latin America, back home, in Bolivia, in Argentina. I actively try to have conversations with my mom and my dad about like their childhood and how was their childhood back home in Bolivia, what they remember, what they don't remember. Because sometimes, you know, with the daily life, we just forget to have these little conversations. Like I don't have more grandparents. My, my abuela passed away a couple of years ago and there is so many questions. So many questions that I never ask. So I'm trying just, you know, not to do the same thing with my parents. Yeah, such an important way to archive your history. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And lineage. Okay, well, I think we're on to our second section. Well, actually, you don't have a traditional extract for us today. Could you maybe describe what you're going to talk to us about? And yeah, a bit about this image and when it's from. Yeah. Um, Bueno, first of all, I want to apologize for not having a proper extract. No, not at all. A little reminder as well that not everyone has access to media and platforms or a computer or a phone. I moved here to this country 20 years ago. So back in the days, you know, we used to go to coffee shops 
and we used to pay one pound for like one hour of internet. So having access to Facebook or like anything like that, it was super difficult because that means that, you know, I will have less time in my internet cafe, which it was just, you know, going like once a week just to go and talk to my mom or talk to some friends and check emails. So I think so my social media journey started around 2005 and that I think so that post is for like 2011 but I think so the picture is 2008 or something like that. And again, like I didn't have too much access. My ex-partner didn't allow me to have a phone or to have access to computer. I was in a violent like relationship. So yeah, that was very, very good. That picture is from a party that I used to work now and then uh, called Kidology. And I think so the venue was in King's Cross, the cross. And I don't know how old are you both, but back in the days, <laughs> there were a lot of parties and nightclubs, SC1, The Egg, I don't know, like, and I used to work in those places. I was undocumented, so I used to do a lot of, you know, cash hand jobs. And you know that sometimes, you know, like we say that sex workers save lives. And my life was safe for like my sisters, my siblings, sex workers, strippers, hosts, girls of the night. Uh, they will always find out jobs for me. They will always find gigs for me. And they even like help me out with housing. So yeah, like, you know, when we say like sex workers say life, I stand by that because I live through that. So the picture was a photo shoot for this party. And I didn't have a clue. A friend of mine called me and said, oh, you know what? They're going to pay you hundred pounds. Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. And they go, okay, fine. I let me find someone to look after Petro. I think of Petro was like maybe five. And they go, put this, put this. I said, okay, fine, la, 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 la. And then, then like three days later, like those pictures, they were all around London. In all the bus <laughs> stops, in all, you know, elephant, you name it. Because it was the promotion for our party. So, yeah, that's the picture. Those were the days when I used to dance yeah. and just walk around, like, showing my bum everywhere for 100 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, back in the day, you used to pay, like, for the month of your room, for your, like, maybe two weeks' rent was 100 pounds. Things For my room. Changed. Yes, I used to pay 100 pounds per week, a double room in central London. Things have changed. <laughs> Which one are you in the image? And can you describe your outfit? Pineapple hairstyle with a tiny, tiny, like, silver top. Uh, I think so baby blue with red ribbons, mini tiny shorts, humongous <laughs> stilettos. Please, sirs, I'm so sorry. <laughs> My <laughs> friends, super friends will be in shock. There's a nice letter. Please, sirs, uh, with colorful uh, socks. Yes, it's like a blue and pink kind of theme for the evening as well. I'm curious to hear, I guess, like, what's it like for you to revisit this memory and this poster specifically with today's eyes for you? Well, they're still the same. I'm missing all the nightclubs. I'm missing going dancing and getting money for it. I don't wear heels for free. Like, I don't know why people do that. Why people do that? Why chicks do that? I don't know. Like, I wear heels for money. 
And yeah, I still do the same. Like a couple of weeks ago, my friends from the picture actually came from Berlin and we went to a big party and, you know, we were like half naked dancing like for us and it was great. We were going to ask actually if you are still who the other people are in the photo and if you're still in touch with them. Yes. The one in the middle is Chicky Love. Chicky Love is my sister. She moved to Berlin because things are better over there, apparently. <laughs> things are better over there for sex workers and strippers and hosts. So she went over there. And yeah, she's an amazing performer, pole dancer, like very well known all around. She danced everywhere and I love her to bits. Where were you kind of mentally and emotionally when these posters were circulating? What did your life look like in 2011? My life was, I don't know, I was just surviving. I was in surviving mode because at that point I was in a violent relationship. I was undocumented. I literally just earned enough just to buy food and pay a bit of the rent and just, you know, that's all. I didn't knew when I was going to be able to sort out migration status. But, you know, like, I was grateful, grateful as fuck. And I have a lot of fun. And, yeah, literally, sex workers save lives. They save life. Like, they give me happiness. They give me security. They give me jobs. I think so, mentally talking, I was in surviving mode. I wasn't thinking. I wasn't feeling. I'm trying to feel back. The last couple of years, I'm trying to feel bad. I always say this horrible joke that, you know, that I don't feel nothing. Like, everything has been so hard the last 20 years that I just don't do that. And then, then you know, I laugh. And then my therapist say like, no, you do feel you. Yeah, I don't. Why are you laughing? <laughs> I know, I feel so much. I'm a Scorpio. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. Therapists love to tell you off for laughing at your own trauma. What's funny? <laughs> I know. You know, one of my coping mechanisms was just, you know, I'm this tough chick, I'm this tough girl, I can't do anything, I'm going to survive. It's still the mentality, like, I need to survive, like, and again, not only because I have to, like, because we have to, but as well, one of the mottos is like, I need to survive, like, I can't know this, my legacy is not going to end on me. Like, I need to be happy because I own my happiness to my grandma. I own my happiness to my mom. I own the happiness to all the women, all my grandmas and grandmas and aunties behind me that they, like, literally move from one territory to other territory to provide livelihood for me. And obviously, I did the same thing for my child. So it's just, like, goals, be happy and be alive. Those are my basic goals. I know they're super basic, but I don't care. Yeah, I want to be happy and I want to be alive tomorrow and the next day. And I want to live until I'm 105, something like that. Maybe 98, the very late. That's a good age. I, I think those are amazing goals. And I'm curious to hear how you were able to move from that space. I know you, you mentioned that you're, you're still in a form of survival mode, but I want to hear, I guess, a little bit about after this poster, in between this poster and the Angela who's with us today, like what has that journey been like to transition into not just survival, but also thriving and also happiness and security in the things around you in your life? As a Scorpio, I have a plan, obviously. So we are as well with my son. 
family incarceration survivor. My son's dad was in jail here for a couple of years. And that was one of the reasons why we didn't leave when things got very tough because he was in jail. So I didn't want to, I didn't want my son to be away from his dad. And I really want to give my son's dad the possibility to continue our relationship with him and, you know, to visit him and go and support him whatever way we can't with the minimum that we have. So I remember when at some point my son's dad applied for deportation. So that was the year that I thought, you know what, like this is going to happen. I don't need to stay in this abusive relationship because to be honest, I just stay in that abusive relationship. Yes, I did deeply love that person. I believe him that he was going to change, you know. Because that's what happened. You really believe that person that is going to change and you're going to help this person to change. But then, you know, it's a cycle and it doesn't change. And then then it happens again. And then, then, you know, like the cries and the begging and then the promises. And then, you know, there is like a honeymoon period. Everything is perfect, amazing and good and you're in love. And then it happens again. And then it starts, it starts, it starts again. So I remember that, yeah, so, you know, this is it. This is a change. I need to go. And I remember that, yeah, like, you know, the violence, it's just so many violence that you confront because I confront as well in that relationship financial violence because I didn't have any money. And this person will know how much money I have or don't have. So I couldn't secure a house. I couldn't have a deposit. I couldn't like nothing. Like I couldn't be next to my laptop because he will sit down next to me and say, oh, what are you doing? And he's like, yeah. Look at this house, it's so cute. I don't know. Again, like, you know, communities, everything. Some friends, they put some money together. My son's dad asks some of his friends as well because he goes, like, I want to help you out. So a lot of people in the community came together, put the deposit for me. I went to check this house in Brixton Life for like five minutes because my ex-partner will check, you know, my times. I need to be at the house at this time. I need, you know, he will control a lot of that. So I checked the house for like for five minutes, come back. And then, then next week I just say to him, look, my, my cousins are coming to pick up my son and I'm going to move out. The van is coming in half an hour. So I couldn't even pack my stuff. So I have half an hour to pack yeah. because I was scared to pack before because otherwise he will know and God knows what's going to happen. But yeah, literally that was the time that I said, you know what, this is going to change. And yeah, like maybe nine years ago. And that was the plan. And before that, you know, I have a community school because I organized when I was in that relationship, I was organizing within the church, Church of England, because that was the only activity that I was allowed to go. And that was the only space that I was allowed to go without questions or arguing or fights or anything. So, yeah, I was a charge girl. Wild, isn't it? <laughs> really? <laughs> Honestly, my mind is blown. That's like so much to go through. And congratulations for, you know, doing that for yourself and your family. Thank you. you know, that idea of yeah. community and having community is so important. So important. I wanted to know what, as you said before, you owe, you know, your grandma, your aunties, your great-grandma, you owe them your happiness. Um, what does happiness kind of look like for you now? When are you the most happy? When I'm in my house, I'm the most happy when I'm in my house alone with my child. 
and he's in his room and I'm in my room and maybe we're not sharing a space together, but we know that we're there and that's the moment that I'm most happy, when I'm warm, when I'm being fed, when I eat. The basic things, again, like, you know, it's, I'm very basic in that sense. We live in this city and, you know, this whole capitalistic upbringing that we have, whatever we want it or not, tries to teach us the contrary. But I think so because of the path that I have, the experience that I have to live. I went back to those ancestral teachings that be happy with that, isn't it? We're supposed to be happy with nothing. That's the goals. Like, I don't need to buy anything. Like, I'm the most happy when I'm alone and I know that my child is safe. Either way, if he's at home or either way, if he's out with his friends, but I know he's safe, that's the moment that I go, oh my God, fuck, I'm very happy. I think that's so, so great. And we've been thinking about, and I've been having a lot of conversations around that kind of idea of like, the joy in the simple things. And I end up always linking it back to, I guess, mindfulness, but... I think you're so right. And it's not, it's basic in the terms of it's basic, but it's it's so much more profound than that in, in being able to find joy in like in your home and in yourself and just being able to be present in, in the small things. I wanted to know what advice you would give to your younger self in this kidology neon poster with her stripy socks and silver top. Uh, what would you say to her if you could say something to her today? I wouldn't say much to her. Sometimes when people ask me this, I think that, you know, if I give her advice or anything like that, maybe my life will be different now. You know, if I escape, you know, like early from that path or if I went back, I never want to be a mother. So if I did have the abortion, if I, you know, like how I was going to be my life, I guess, you know, I wouldn't be me. I will just be tender to her. I will just, you know, give her a cup of tea and say, it's okay. Like, put the pleasers on the way. Don't worry, it's fine. Like, don't be scared. It's okay. You're waiting just to catch the bus. And in those days, we didn't have, like, the night tube. So I will wait after the gigs for hours. So I will say, that's fine. Don't worry. You know, you're going to get home safe. Thank you. Lastly, what would your younger self think about where you are now and who you are now I would go like oh my god girl you take long <laughs> I would <just> go <laughs> like why you take so long to be fucking happy because I was happy back in the days as well you know like I was happy there were like tough moments but I did have moments of joy and dancing and like having crazy nights but yeah it was like both things it was sometimes very very bad and very scary and sometimes you know it was amazingly things you know I will wake up and be in a mansion in Portland street like for a private party from some royals I don't know um but I just will go like yeah don't worry take your time you're going to get there. It's fine. Thank you so much. This has been such a great chat. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, what a life. Yeah, she had a very interesting life and story. But yeah, still a really positive outlook on, you know, life, which I really loved. Yeah, I think her, like, she was so candid about living as someone who was undocumented and running in certain circles. And I'm sure there's a lot we didn't even get to hear in terms of her stories and adventures. 
Yeah, and I love how she's raising her son. As, like, oh my political. god! I think it's so important to like bring your kids to protests, and ne- there's never an age limit for that. And I think that's so amazing that they do mm. that together. And it's been a big part of their like bond. Absolutely, and to do it completely unafraid as well. Like to kind mm. of understand that you know society only benefits when we kind of stay in our houses and are scared to actually say what we want and to like take a stand and like also that riot energy I'm so- sorry I keep saying riot honestly <laughs> they definitely mean protests <laughs> I'm like riot in the streets <laughs> riot <laughs> council tax is going up NI is going up let's riot in the streets and let's bring the llamas bring the chickens bring the whole family with us as well bring the grandma yeah so I'm, I'm definitely that taking energy. that energy with me forward and you know what she was saying about you know we owe it to our grandparents mm. To be happy. That was like yeah. a really lovely takeaway when you look at it that way. 100%. 100%. This has been an II Studios production. Thank you so much for listening. Did you know we have a new podcast out? It's called Reclaimed and Rewritten. A hard-hitting deep dive into the Tulsa massacres of 1921. It's available on all podcast streaming platforms now. You can also sign up to become a member at gal-dem.com for access to exclusive discounts with our favourite brands and partners, early access to tickets for Gaudam events, an advanced copy of our annual print issue, and so much more. Make sure you're following us on all major social media, at Gaudemzine, for the latest independent news and culture. Don't forget, if you loved this episode of Growing Up With Gaudem, be sure to subscribe, rate and leave a review. We'll catch you on the next episode. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.